Welcome everyone to Polk and Kush. It is Thursday, October 27th, 2022. And is it time to declare football season over and basketball season has begun? It's a basketball city. <laughs> That's what everybody likes to say. Pelicans. It's a basketball city. Uh, yeah, it, it was a, uh, a week that showed... One team is a hell of a lot more popular than the other, or at least more hopeful uh, than the other, and it is uh, an interesting time to be in New Orleans. I'm not sure I've ever experienced anything quite like this. I cannot believe it has been, and even right now, it hasn't been a week I know. since Saints football. Yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago, and really, <laughs> it was. Just let it go. I know. I was like... Uh, I. Dad is like, oh, you know, it's game Sunday. Do you want to go? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was like, I, I genuinely just don't want to watch. I don't like whatever the capital I have to use to go to that game. I just don't want to. Now, when I was, you know, 16 or even, you know, 30, I would do it because it was like, yeah, this is what I do is go to Saints games. It's when they're better home. than, uh, you know, Building a puzzle. <laughs> like now it's like, uh, yeah, this time is very valuable. I am not using it to watch Andy Dalton flail around. Uh, so we'll get obviously get into a whole lot of Saints and a whole lot of Pelicans. Um, there's a lot going on with both teams. It is a good time of the year here. Uh, but anything else going on in your world, Mr. Polk? No. Nothing? Not really. Yeah, that's this nice. This feels like it this is the longest week yeah. in existence. The court the, the quarter's buzzing. There are people in town for something. Yeah. Nice weather. Mm-hmm. Walking around weather. I have no idea. Halloween in. I yeah, that's it. But yeah. it's always Monday Halloween. Yeah. That's terrible. You would think. When when do I have to prepare for the trick-or-treaters? Are they going to be Friday? (laughs) Are they going to be Saturday? Are they going to be Monday? Are there going to be trick-or-treaters? It's hard to say. This seems like a prime trick-or-treating neighborhood because everyone around me has an inflatable thing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Everyone has like an inflatable SpongeBob in their yard. That's how you can tell where the good places to trick-or-treat are. By how many many have lights and how many have... Uh, two-story high spider webs with spiders crawling up them. Yeah, got some next-door neighbors that are running up the energy bill. (laughs) It's like a Christmas vacation for Halloween crap. And it's been up for like three months. It was like Fourth of July Halloween. Mm -hmm. Because everybody, Halloween is now a normie holiday. Yes. Like the most basic, boring people in the world are all spooky goths now. Yes, yes. It's very much become like suburban dad. Yeah. Uh, a holiday, you know, as compared to a goth holiday. Do which... you have Halloween decorations up? Of course. Yeah? Yes, I'm a suburban dad. What do you have? We have a big inflatable uh, ghost, I think. And <laughs> you got... don't know? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, I didn't put it up. Uh, and then there's some lights. 
and uh, and some some little like uh, ghosts hanging in the trees. And, and you've I got a banner a- that says "This house won't watch Hocus Pocus 2. <laughs> There's a spider. Uh, yeah, man, it's a real scene. I'm gonna come trick or treat over there, dude. We go look at decorations every night. I'm I'm all for everybody doing it. And we're in a nice run of decorations. This is you got Halloween, and then pretty quickly they'll tra- transition to Christmas and then Mardi Gras. And so it's kind of a nice oh, yeah. uh, setup. So, you know, a lot of time of uh, walking around my neighborhood with kids pointing at the same stuff. And you've, you're have you going to put your servants to use changing these decorations <laughs> every few months. The yeah. whole, you've got Garçon. a crew. <laughs> yes. You've got a crew. You've got a full-fledged staff taking care of your family. Pardon me, Garcon. If you could put out the uh, float <laughs> this time. It is February, after all. Uh, I got some styrofoam uh, tombstones I bought from, like, Family Dollar. <laughs> I think they have real people's names on them. <laughs> I had some like the remains uh, of the person who had to build it. (laughs) (laughs) I had like cobwebs out there for a day and they just blew away. It's like, all right, uh, not replacing that. I'm just going to put up like a banner, like from clerks, just like (laughs) you can get candy. I'm just I'm not putting up anything else. We have some candy. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'm all for Halloween. Having little kids has made, has uh, reinvigorated my love of Halloween. I was definitely one of the people who, like, was by the time I hit my late 20s, like, I'm, I'm not dressing up anymore. I don't want to go to any of these parties. I don't want to do any of these things. Uh, and now, you know, with little kids, it is, it's fun again. So Are I'm you going to dress up? Oh, I have to dress up. Yes. You're going to be Raggedy Andy. That, <laughs> I mean, I think I uh, I think we're going very traditional with like uh, a ghost, a mummy, a pumpkin. I think I'm a vampire. Okay. So we're doing it off of like a kid's book. So it's good. That's good. It's much better. I think I was Mr. Potato Head last year. Okay. That was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That was a lot. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm sure there's going to be like an office Halloween thing. Mm-hmm. And you can, you, have to, you have to watch out there because if you're like a silly thing, they're going to call you that for like three months. Like yeah. if I go there as a minion, yeah. they're going to do <laughs> minion voice to me for the next four months. You wear the inflatable head, like the dinosaur thing. That's a big. That's a big one. Uh-huh. I have like a green man outfit, yeah. but it leaves little to the imagination. <laughs> Everyone's seeing little Andrew. Yeah. Um, I can't show him Polk and Kush. (laughs) I got to put shorts over it. The uh, we had an uh, a neighborhood block party, which was my official like, oh, I really am very much in the burbs now. Um, We had a block party with a band and everybody put like their lawn chairs out there and they built a haunted house and everyone brought food. And by brought food, I would say 70% of the food in the neighborhood was uh, finger sandwiches from various grocery stores <laughs> within a two mile radius, which is the equivalent of like, I'm going to do something, but I'm not going to try. Yeah. <laughs> like now some people brought Chick-fil-A that was gone an instant. You couldn't even like see the, the, there was no crumbs left. The, there wasn't a fried chicken piece to be had after that thing got put on the ground. Uh, somebody brought canes. That was nice. And then some people made various dips that I was skeptical of. Yeah. Didn't try. I'm, I'm always leery of the potluck. Cause you don't know what anyone's kitchen looks like. 
That is true. I would take Cane's or a uh-huh. Rouse's finger sandwich any day. Yes, I ate many a finger sandwich. So you're out there with the people that complain about your grass being too long, <laughs> too short. There was a fight. I saw a fight amongst yeah? two old men. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I don't know what they were fighting about. A cop had to break it up. That it was... was Andy Dalton and James Winston. <laughs> special. And then the cover band that they uh, hired played uh, at least... I wasn't out there the whole time, but at least four Matchbox 20 songs. Okay, 3 a.m. Uh-huh. That's uh, what, that was they opened with. Bent. Uh-huh. Unwell. Uh-huh. Mad Season. What's the one that starts the uh, the Rainmaker? The Rainmaker? Hey, everybody, oh, God. Find me the rain. I store it in boxes. <laughs> Little yellow tags yeah, yeah. on everyone. <laughs> That whatever song that is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's the net title of that song. I'm trying to think. You know what I'm saying? I'm people uh people so came somebody to the call. screaming on that split again. After last week I had a hundred texts of being like, How to make it in America is the show yeah. from HBO. And uh once again, I'm not gonna look it up and you can all yell at me what the song title is of that Matchbox twenty song. Well, we got like, I want to what it's like to be a superhero. <laughs> was this Matchbox 20? Uh, I would not have been surprised if somebody there was. They were the probably band. down at the Silver Slipper and just came on over. <laughs> you want to play the Neighborhood Association uh, Halloween party? Every, paid, every house paid 20 bucks for this party. So. How many uh, fastball songs did they play? <laughs> They uh so they did play Audio Slave at one point. That Whoa. was deep. Which one? Uh, like a Stone. Yeah, I guess you have to. You can't do coaches there. <laughs> Unless you got Tom Morello in the cover band. It was intense, man. I was like, there's a lot of little kids here to listen to this guy wailing Audio Slave. I was like, I mean, there was not. A, oh, and then they did the worst rendition of Pony I'd ever heard in my life. That's so the rest of it was actually very. I thought, you know, they gave it a college try. They're not yeah. the world's greatest cover band or anything, but they gave it a college try. Pony, I was like, this feels uh, like cultural appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I understand. The rest, this is a 90s cover band or whatever uh, era that we're going with here, but. Uh, that is a, a one uh, a bridge too far to do Mr. Genuine like this. Cover band, if you're listening, work your way up to Pony. You can do something a little soulful, maybe a little Mambo number five. <laughs> a little Who Let the Dogs Out. They should have played Who Let the Dogs Out. Maybe they did. I'm going to do a start a cover band, and the only song we play is Who Let the Dogs Out. I was out. in a 90s cover band. Yeah? We can do it. What was the big, What got the biggest reaction? We played Closing Time first. <laughs> Fuck you. It's everybody there. Did you do frat parties? <laughs> uh, essentially. We, okay. we played like just the bar in Rustin. In Rustin. Yeah. So it was all just like well, our, drunk dudes. Our trick was we had a lady in oh. the band okay. that could sing and play guitar and play piano. Okay. So we could do Alanis. We could do Jewel. Oh, that's helpful. Sonny came home with yeah. a mission. <laughs> the songs are all like, that's tough for like a drunk college bar though because you'd think they want to go a little harder Alanis goes pretty hard yeah, i guess there's a handful there well, ironic gets the people going i would after, think right after seven or nine tequizas these people want to <laughs> sing along to stuff that they enjoy yes. and sometimes that's uh you know fast car by tracy chapman <laughs> 
so but what was the number was there ever a song you're like when we hit this we know we're gonna bring the house down we played tub thumping by chumbawamba that's good and the lead singer my friend seth had a trumpet oh so he could do the horn part that's awesome Dude, people must have gotten really going. Oh, yeah. There was an 80s cover band called The Breakfast Club that went to Knoxville, and it was packed. Like, every time they'd show up, and they were like, we go to every college town in the world, and no one gives a crap that we're there. For some reason in Knoxville, everyone got very excited, and it would bar would be, like, blind down the street, and so they tried to learn Rocky Top, and it was the single worst version of Rocky Top that's ever been <laughs> thought about, much less played. And everyone got like, the, the you could hear like the crowd stop. And I was like, all right, back to Tears for Fears. <laughs> um, but, so I had a great time at the neighborhood block party. Halloween is all going well. Everything is going wonderfully and smoothly uh, around the world right now, except for in one area of my life. And that would be having to watch the New Orleans Saints play football once a week. It's not a blast. No. It really, that Cardinals game, I watched every play. It felt like work. I read that they are broadcasting all of the Thursday night football games at Guantanamo Bay. (laughs) I don't know if it's true, but it makes sense. It's like when they were playing Metallica to get Noriega out of there or whatever. Yeah. Some guy. Ayatollah. Sure. Someone. Sure. They're making him watch the Saints play football now. Yeah. I mean, it is. uh, That's a rough scene. Those that Thursday night game. It. It was not as if the Saints didn't have a chance. It was more like they blew it in so many different ways that you're like, I don't know if they're bad or if they are just stupid or if they're just uh, if they're hopeless. Like, it's hard to say how to best describe it. Like, I don't think they're that bad of a team but they definitely do enough bad things that it's going to make the record bad like i don't think they're going to just clean it up i think we've seen enough to know they're not just going to clean it up in one week and start playing great football for 60 minutes and they're going to just win find a way to win games and it doesn't seem like uh adding one or two receivers or key players at other positions is going to really solve anything either because the saints have been competitive in most mm-hmm. of these losses there hasn't really been a huge blow. It, there, there have been a couple games where it's like they are absolutely not going to win this despite what the score says. Yes. But, I mean, the Arizona game was very winnable. Sure. I went to, it was like two and a half minutes left mm-hmm. in the first half. I was like, well, I'm going to go walk the dogs. And when I came back, Arizona had scored 18 points. Yeah, it was the equivalent of you taking off in an airplane and then the city getting hit with an atomic bomb. <laughs> and you land and you're like, what happened? I don't understand. Um, it, it was th- That was total just Chernobyl that occurred over a two-minute span. Not only did the Cardinals score on and then they hit a two-point conversion, then there was a pick six, then they got the ball back, and then there was another pick six. The Saints called a timeout to get more time to throw more pick sixes and then still kneeled out with a minute left. It was the worst end to a half I can remember uh, in the history of the Saints. It was baffling. 
It was not incredibly surprising. No, and it was. Never. It was just the. It was just the end of the game. Yeah, I don't think uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in their heyday could come out and really make anything out of that. So I certainly did not expect Keith Kirkwood. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Drake Long Smith <laughs> and Andy Dalton to yeah. really, yeah. Uh, Dennis Allen saying, and we'll get into a little Dennis Allen because I think it's starting to become clear this guy might be in over his head. Uh, they interviewed him and had you know coming out of halftime, and he's like, I think Andy should keep doing what he's doing. It's like, yeah, he's great at throwing pick sixes. Uh, that's, you know, wonderful. He threw one good pass, as far as I could tell, to uh, Shahid, who's, I think, everyone's favorite player now. Two touches, uh, two touchdowns. Yeah, so they, and then, you know, why give him the ball again? Uh, and then Taysom had a nice drive, and that was it. And that was, and the Saints looked like they were in good shape. Then, you know, the world exploded, and Dennis Allen's still like, yeah, I think he did okay. And then today, uh, which is the more pertinent, uh, you know, this being Wednesday, Dennis Allen said both Jameis and Andy Dalton are both healthy, and he is choosing to go with Andy Dalton because of his recent performance. That's a questionable statement. I mean, dubious. Just say Jameis is hurt. Yeah. I don't even care if he's hurt. Save a little face for Jameis. (laughs) Like, how can you? Andy Dalton sucks. Like, I'm not saying he sucks worse than Jameis. They suck. They both suck. It doesn't matter. Don't tell me that because of recent performance, Andy Dalton has performed too well to take him out of the lineup. That's <laughs> what we're saying right now. He's done. He's he's just doing. He's clicking on all cylinders. We can't take this train off the tracks. I know, we, you know, we went through a whole offseason. We paid Jameis Winston, whatever it is, $12 million a year. Uh but you know, we had to change course. You know, he's he's Wally pipped by uh, <laughs> by Andy Dalton, essentially the Lou Gehrig of this situation. And it is laughable how stupid that sounds coming out of Dennis Allen's mouth. And he says it with a straight face, and you feel like he really thinks that what he's doing is smart. And I think everybody else in the NFL is going like, "This guy's a goddamn moron." I mean, it's just a step behind what all of the saints fans wanted we wanted to see andy dalton a little before we did sure we got a taste yeah and now we're good yeah you showed it to us we've seen enough you answered the questions i wanted to see andy dalton out there i questioned him against Jameis before the season even started i see him out there and question answered Jameis and Dalton are not the future for the franchise. So I don't think it matters to give Jameis another chance since he has the money. Sure. He's at least a longer term option than Andy Dalton. He certainly has a higher ceiling. Yeah. Like maybe he clicks and figures something out. And if not, what do you do? You're going to lose. You're going to lose anyway. The fact you don't have a first round pick makes losing hurt more. Uh, but it really, it's insane to say that they're both fully healthy and you're choosing Andy Dalton due to recent performance when you are losing every week. Is there any reason to publicly say that? Is it just because Jameis is going to be suited up in case something happens to Andy that he can go out there? I guess. But that was the case on Thursday. Right? That, that, and that's the part. That you still also have Taysom Hill. Like You could play him at quarterback if you needed to. 
and frankly, they probably should. Uh, at this point, their best offense is almost always through Taysom Hill. So why wouldn't you give him a little bit more of a, an opportunity? Um, but generally, so to backtrack a little bit, Nick Underhill reported that uh, Jameis is still hurt. He says that he's got, I think it was an ankle issue, not to mention, you know, a broken back. Uh, and then Dennis Allen comes in and says that he's fully healthy. I, do, I just doesn't make any sense as to why you would say he's fully healthy if he isn't and why if he is fully healthy, he's not playing. I can't understand any line of logic on that uh, that's occurring. And it's not that Andy Dalton is significantly worse than Jameis. That, that there's no, it doesn't matter. It's completely meaningless. Mm-hmm. Who's better? It neither of them are going to help the Saints significantly more than the other to win games. But Jameis is supposed to be your starter. You put the faith in him to be the starter. Are you saying he's this bad? You paid him, and you're saying he's this bad that he's war that Andy Dalton has just so clearly surpassed him that you just basically benched him. Like it's not an injury. You benched him now. That's ridiculous. You have to wonder what the team really thinks about this too. Is everybody just along for the ride at this point? Alvin Kamara today said that he was behind Andy Dalton. Sure. Andy Dalton was playing well. <laughs> I mean, the bar is so low. You can't, obviously, you can't say the opposite of that in the middle of a losing season with a a team this tenuous, especially a player like Alvin Kamara, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. What is going on in the locker room? What are these players thinking? Yeah. Like, are we going to see Michael Thomas again this season? Fuck no. No. Why would he come back every week? It's he's getting a little closer. We think he looks good. He doesn't want to play. No. Just say it. Throw him under the bus. That's the guy you should be throwing under the bus. Get him out. I mean, I said Jarvis Landry had a setback, I believe, uh, or that was reported somewhere that Jarvis Landry had a setback. It is a, a, a mess. If you were to take the bleakest possible timeline. Every the, player on the Saints has had a setback. Being on the Saints. <laughs> it's been a tough year. Uh, if you were to take the worst possible timeline of the post-Sean Payton era, if I were to tell you they have no young quarterback, they have no first-round pick, they are losing constantly, they have a coach with his head up his ass, and they have no semblance of a plan to get out of it, and they haven't traded anyone in an attempt to like recoup this thing, and they've sort of let all of this talent go down the drain, this is the worst-case scenario. There's no future here. The Saints are going to have to forget the past and do what a lot of teams have to do. Carolina did it. Yeah. Carolina called their season. Yeah. Shipped off McCaffrey. And then they won. The Saints are going to have to do something, and they need to. And I, it, this is not the same Saints fan base as last season where there was still hope and potential. Yes. I think everyone on bo- is on board with blowing it up. There's just You cannot watch this on Sunday and go like, well, they're getting better. Well, you know, I see the X, Y, and Z down the road. Or, hey, at least if they lose every game, you'll get the number one pick and get a great quarter. There's nothing. It's like the – it's so – it's just painful because it's like there's nothing here to really keep you invested. I'm going to keep watching it because it's what I do is keep watching it. But, like, it is uh, – they have botched this in about 100 different ways right now. And, look, 
it's not Halloween. Things can change. The division is trash. So you might be able to eke out six, seven wins and make the playoffs. And then I guess they're going to call that a success. But it is pretty clear Dennis Allen is not a good head coach. It is pretty clear they have no plan at quarterback. And they mortgaged a what could be a very valuable draft pick in a complete loser move that has blown up in their face because they thought they had something that they aren't. And you know what's accentuating this terrible time in Saints history? What's that? Sean Payton sniffing around the NFL again. I know. It just fucking pisses me off. I know. And he's living here again. <clears throat> yeah, he was at the Pels game. He's all around town. I talk to people playing golf with them and also it's like He's everywhere. It's like, what did you? What are you doing? He's going to be coaching again, of course. And uh, maybe next season. He said he's going to be coaching. Yeah, again. he doesn't want to coach this bunch of losers. Remember when they wanted to rename Lee Circle after him, <laughs> the future coach of the Cowboys? Yeah, who bailed on you the minute things got tough? I. That's going to be. That's going to be a history that does not age well. Well. I do think there's going to be more bitterness whenever he goes to, you know, wherever he ends up and he, if he starts winning, which he's going to pick a situation that allows him to start winning pretty quickly. And look, that's how football goes. Look, Bill Belichick didn't get dumb overnight. Mm-hmm. Like the Patriots are a lot worse than they were when Tom Brady was there. It is not because Bill Belichick is significantly dumber. The game passed him by. You got to have players to win. I think Sean Payton knew that, but he was part of the problem of the way they built this thing. And it wasn't sustainable. And by, by the time we got to this point with no quarterback situation and the rest of the roster, either aging or crumbling, I, uh, this is where you are, and it's going to take a long time to get out of it, and the Saints are just going to ha- – you can you can make enough right moves to get out of it quickly. The 2005 Saints were the worst goddamn team I've ever seen, and in 2006, they were great. So it's like it, you can do it in the NFL. It's not impossible. The Giants were horrific last year. They're good this year. The mm-hmm. Jets have been horrific. Like You can do it in the NFL quickly. But the blueprint to get there requires doing a lot of things very well because a lot of things have gone badly to get to this point. Yeah, and I think the Saints have proved that it is not necessarily the talent on the field. It has a lot to do with the coaching, and it is a foreign land for the Saints to blow up the coaching staff, but they're going to need to. They have to. I'm I'm voting for blow up. Yeah, look, Dennis Allen was terrible as a head coach with the Raiders. It's not as if this is his first chance. Mm -hmm. He's not good at it. I, and we can call it what it is. The defense has also sucked. It's not just the offense. Uh, he's definitely in charge of that, and they are getting worse by the week. And Arizona, who hadn't done anything, uh, you know, just the couple of opportunities that you had to shift the game in the second half, they shoved it right down their throat. And look, they're in a tough spot. They're in a bad spot. Uh, thankfully for this city, there is uh, hope on the other side of Dave Dixon Drive in that the Smoothie King Center is uh, a hell of a lot more fun place to be than the Superdome right now. The blender is rocking. The great start to the season, 3-1, and one, a terrific win uh, just two nights ago, three nights ago in the Smoothie King Center against Dallas with... The second line, that's what we're calling the bench. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think so. I'm sure. But yeah, everybody stepped up. It was good. It was fun to watch. I wasn't filled with dread. (laughs) (laughs) 
Dude, it's just kind of fun watching Jose Alvarado uh-huh. and Trey Murphy. They're just fun players to watch. They are fun. They really are. And it's like, and, and even Larry Nance, I like. Like, it is uh, hard to have a team with so many guys who are so enjoyable to see on the floor. And look, when you play without Brandon Ingram and without Zion and without Herb Jones, you should lose to most teams. When you're playing against a, I think, completely healthy Mavs team uh, who is very good, uh, you would think even more of a chance to lose a game for them to come out and win that. Uh, you know, there's 82 games. It's very hard to, you know, you try not to, to do the ups and downs too much. But it is at least a statement that says, they're, the Pelicans are are to be taken seriously. Yeah, Dallas had blown out Memphis by forty something points. Yeah. Dallas was completely healthy. Uh, Dyson Daniels was on Luca for a lot of the yeah, game like 20 for, minutes. for twenty minutes yeah. of the game. He had two steals off of him. He finished with eleven points. Nine of those were in the first half. Mm-hmm. He looked poised. He looked mature. He looked. Herb Jones like yeah and you know that's a intimidating person to guard in your first game Dallas is no joke Christian Wood's a good player yeah he was furious to be <laughs> back here he hates New Orleans as well he should it was very stupid to let him walk for nothing sure but uh it was a f- it was a fun game to watch it was like uh you know when you're watching like super friends and they let Green Lantern beat up the bad guy <laughs> It's not Superman for once. You get to see the other guys do it. I didn't expect to win that game. I kind of expected to win against Utah. Mm -hmm. Utah was an infuriating game. It reminded me very much of Pelicans of yore. And this was a fun refresher to take me out of my bitter Pelicans hole. (laughs) You didn't get stirred by the comeback and you were more annoyed that they lost. I was stirred by the comeback. I was furious at the result. Yeah. Yeah, I was like like most people were taking like a moral victory. And I'm like, Utah's should not be that good. Like that falling behind like that was bad. Yeah. I mean, Utah is you know fletch's fantasy draft team <laughs> alenic mark markinen uh-huh. mark they changes how you pronounce his name every time i hear i heard it. someone saying olenic i was like what what are we doing with these names what i don't did just know. pick just call them the two white <laughs> guys i mean olenic just flopping all over the place to what a d-bag um <laughs> dude i just there was a big opportunity for this team to come out flat after two big wins to start the season against two fairly struggling teams. They finally got punched in the face a little bit, playing a team that was going to play just as hard as them in mm-hmm. Utah, and then a team that was definitely more talented than them last night in Dallas, You know, when you consider the injuries. And they rebounded. Uh, and so I think that does say that they're to be taken seriously in the regular season. This team, most nights, as I said, is going to show up ready to play. It is going to be uh, teams like Utah are going to give them trouble because they're going to match their energy mm-hmm. level most nights. Uh, but I do think that that was probably a good lesson to learn, particularly at home. And then now the Pelicans go on the road a lot, and this will be a very telling period for them, especially we don't know how long these guys are going to be out for, but... Um, this we will know a lot more by the time we talk next, because uh, right now I think the Pelicans have basically done not necessarily what the you know when you line it up game by game, but three and one I think is about where everyone hoped they would be right now. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
as of 4 p.m. today, there's no timeline update for any injuries. Mm -hmm. There was a little back and forth on Brandon Ingram having a concussion. He did have a concussion. Zion has a big bruise on his big ass. Yeah, how can he not play with that? And what am I missing? I, I mean, I guess if you can mop up the wins with, you know, the 12th man, he yeah. doesn't have to get out there with the bruise tush. I just feel like, how does a bruise, can a bruise get worse? By playing with it, I just I don't understand like why that guy uh, he's not playing that game. I don't know. That's why he did not uh, come back in during that the the rally against Utah, which I was wondering. I was like, is Willie Green really just going with like team vibes right now? Is that what this is? Just like <laughs> defensive grit? Because it's like you've got very good players. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about the vibe. I won't sign in there for overtime. Yes. And obviously that now we know is because of the the bruise, but yeah. I I've not I have not gotten a bruise of that caliber. Sure. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It just seems weird that a bruise would, you know, keep you out of an NBA game, especially, you know, he clearly has had issues where he wants to play and the team won't let him. Uh, they really, you know, remember they're doing all that won't bow down mm -hmm. stuff. They really should change all of that to abundance of caution. That's the team logo. <laughs> abundance of caution. Every injury lasts 10 more games than you think it's going to last. Uh, everything is just like lingers and lingers and lingers. And we'll see what ends up going on and how long. If I had to just guess, just out of the dark, I don't know anything about any of these injuries. I would say Herb Jones comes back first. I would say Zion comes back next. And I would say Brandon Ingram comes back third. What do you think in two to three weeks timeline for everybody? Four weeks? I don't know. I think Herb Jones will play the second that he can. I know that a coccyx contusion or whatever it is has a usual diagnosis of two to four weeks. But yeah. it's like, who is this diagnosis for a guy that works at Denny's? Yeah. Or is this for... <laughs> A professional athlete. <laughs> yeah. I st again, like, it's one of those, like, is it just painful to play with it, or does it actually prevent you from being able to play? You can't wrap a bruise. No. I guess you can pad it, but that's not, that's going to add more pressure to it. But like, is it just painful, or is it, like, the ability to make it worse by playing on it? And that's a to those are two totally different things. Because then know. you're talking about toughness versus, you know... An actual injury. In I, I do think this is the first time that I've I've been on Zion's side regarding it. I think that Zion definitely wants to be out there right now. I agree. I feel like he's probably red faced sitting on that bench in the in you know, with those guys. I agree. I not he, doing what he has been so pumped to do. I think he genuinely wants to be out there, and the Pelicans are telling him no. Particularly when you add in his comments in the offseason about the mental health problems that he had going through the injury and how hard it was to not be able to play and how much he appreciates playing. And you could see the joy he was playing with. He was not playing his best basketball. Like He missed a lot of shots around the rim. He was still a force, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't scoring at 65% or whatever he was two years ago. Uh, you could see the joy he's playing with. I don't think he wants to be sitting on the bench for a bruised ass. No, I don't either. You know, it's one thing if he, you know, sprained a knee or did something where, like, it very clearly was going to, to hamper something his ability. Something that could be degenerative if you're playing on it. Yeah, or makes you significantly worse while you're playing. I don't think a bruised ass does any of that. Um, so I, I, I completely agree with you. I think this is mo much more of, you know, 
the 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 team slogan of abundance of caution and they're gonna you know and i think a lot of the nbas like this they don't value the regular season very much like each individual game doesn't seem to be that big of a deal they kind of just don't we're trying to avoid long long long-term injuries and it's like that hasn't really worked out that well that's that's a luxury for a team that is a top four team and the pelicans aren't there yet they want to be there and you gotta play the guys to get there now they got away with one they did not have to play their you know three of their top five guys and they were able to sneak out a win at home thanks to luca missing a three at the buzzer uh, we'd be having a different conversation about how they played really tough, but they lost. Yeah, had that shot gone in, and that's the NBA. You know, it's a make or miss league. But uh, I, I do. I just want to see these guys back on the court. It's such a shame that after three games, we're already doing this crap again. Yeah, we were just getting started. I mean, it's it's not fair to the players. It's not fair to the city. Yeah. And you just, it, it's not sustainable to have Jose Alvarado playing 35 minutes every night yeah. to expect Dyson Daniels to have that level of performance against perennial all-stars. The, yeah. the team is not built like that, but it is a great sign that those guys can play and win. And hopefully it pays off dividends yeah. by just getting these guys some minutes for later on, through the season where more injuries are going to stack up. Yeah. And like we, you know, they go pretty deep. Like Mm -hmm. they can play a game like that and have guys who are capable. There was not that long ago where the Pelicans, if you were to get past the sixth guy, you're like, what a debacle this team is. You know, like if you remember the second units they were running out in the playoffs against the Warriors, like, you know, four years ago, it was a disaster what they were having to put out. There was Solomon Hill and, you know, it was terrible. (laughs) Like, they, you know, Ian Clark, like it was, you know, among the worst units in the NBA. Uh, they're not doing that anymore, and I think this will help. And, and in in small doses, it's probably ultimately a good thing. It just sucks that you didn't get to see more of this team as a whole together, especially when they got through training camp healthy, and they got there, and it's like, eh, it's taken away from you. So uh, all good things, though, really, from the Pelicans. I don't think you can, you can be down on them as a team. Uh, they clearly kept whatever bond that was that last season that kind of propelled them to the end of the year. That all feels like it's still very much in place. All those young guys who were kind of scrappy at the end of the bench, they all showed up. Trey Murphy looked incredible, mm-hmm. and so did Jose Alvarado. They both looked great. Um, and you just have to kind of love the trajectory of what this team can be. Yeah, Jose looked a lot more comfortable driving to the basket. He had several layups against Dallas, mm-hmm. where in Utah he was getting swatted out of there. Yeah. He seemed to have calmed down, figured out his shot. He was able to get in there and make a difference. Trey Murphy looks like he has gone to the next level in, yeah. in these games, and that would be huge. Yeah, he was great the, in the playoffs, too. He was great in the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. But having like that number six, on the, like that, that would be huge. Having a shooter come off the bench who can just drain open threes and even not so open threes is such an enormous weapon. And now that he's kind of coming off the bounce mm-hmm. and finishing dunks and finishing plays at the rim, like they have to respect him to do that. They can't just run and close out on him because he's going to make you pay inside. And that is what a huge difference that makes. I mean, he was not playing the first, what, 50 games last year. 
Like he couldn't get off the bench. And now he's like a very valuable part of what they're doing. And he, I mean, more than anyone, I think he was responsible for that win against Dallas. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the Pelicans suffered to get these lengthy wings that can shoot. Yeah. It was was a long time coming (laughs) and it's finally here and it's good to see. Yeah. It is. And uh, look, the crowd on uh, Sunday against Utah was jacked up. Uh, it was place was full for tip off. Uh, not, you know, it wasn't packed with the playoffs, but it was very much a good crowd. Uh, and then the Dallas crowd was late arriving Tuesday night at 630. I think might have played a role by the time it got to the second half. That place, though, was as loud yeah. as it was for any big game when this team is really good. It is was not the sleepy type of atmosphere that so many Pelicans regular season games are like when there was a run in the third quarter. You know, most of the lower bowl was standing and cheering when it got to the fourth. The whole place was on their feet like it was a very legitimate home court advantage, which is not something you could always say about this. No, it's it sounded and looked like a playoff atmosphere. And that kind of stuff goes a long way on a on a TNT nationally broadcast game at seven o'clock in most of the country. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people are watching that game and. You're watching that and you see, oh, Zion's out. Of course he is. Oh, Brandon Ingram's out. Of course he is. For them to pull that off on the national stage was huge for morale, and it goes a very long way in keeping Zion happy and where he needs to be, whether he's on the court or whether he's on the bench. So it was, I I don't think you can understate how huge of a victory that was. Absolutely. Uh, We will check back in with the Pelicans a lot as the season goes along. There's a lot of season left to play. But before we get to our local news, everybody, we got a nice treat. We've got jokes! Jokes. Jokes, jokes. That's what these are, jokes. I write them. We tell them. It's fun. You enjoy them. That's about it. Yeah. Polk writes these. He's the best at these. So uh, I'll be reading some, but they're all from, uh, you know, our smarter halves. Unless it's really offensive. <laughs> In which case, I definitely wrote it. Please write the uh, NOLA.com and let them know. Uh, we'll start with the first joke here. Just, you know, we just finished Pelican. So this is another, we'll stay on theme here. Dyson Daniels racked up significant minutes, including 11 points and two steals, guarding Luka Doncic in a victory against Dallas. In a post-game interview, Dyson said he's really hoping to steer the media coverage away from his hot mom and start focusing on his defensive prowess, ability to keep a cool head under pressure, and that his dad is also pretty good looking. (laughs) Good starter. The world's dirtiest man, an Iranian hermit known for eating roadkill and smoking animal dung, has died at age 94, just months after receiving his first bath in years. When reached for comment, everyone outside of Checkpoint Charlie said, See? (laughs) Oh, this one sounds like... All I read was the first two words. This one looks like it's right for me. Kanye West has received... Almost universal backlash after making anti-Semitic comments regarding Jewish media. What? (laughs) Jewish media. And was promptly dropped as a sponsor by Adidas. You know, you've said some fucked up stuff about the Jews when a company founded in Germany by a man named Adolf Dassler drops you. (laughs) 
NOPD has arrested one of the two women seen in a viral video firing pistols out of a moving vehicle on the Pontchartrain Expressway last weekend. NOPD Superintendent Shane Ferguson credited the department's swift and decisive action in allowing the woman to turn herself in. (laughs) By turning yourself in for crimes, you're really helping the entire NOPD continue to ticket tourists for expired meters, issue traffic citations via a third-party company in Baltimore, (laughs) and blame the media for crime. Shane continued... This was a simple case of a woman firing a deadly weapon from a moving vehicle, but it could have been much worse. She could have been driving. (laughs) Okay. On Monday, an Amazon delivery driver was found dead next to their van with alleged dog bite injuries from a nearby German Shepherd and Mastiff. A spokesman from Amazon said that while they extended their condolences for the horrific events that took place, they appreciated the diligence shown in getting the customer their minions costume just in time for Halloween. That's true. (laughs) I mean, not the part of it. Video of a transgender high school volleyball player has gone viral after it appears to show her spiking the ball directly into the face of a player on the opposing team, causing head and neck injuries. The trans athlete responded, saying she was just upset because Spike is her dead name. (laughs) (laughs) Former NFL running back and current Georgia Senate nominee Herschel Walker brandished a police badge during a debate to show his support for law enforcement, which really makes you glad he doesn't support abortions. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed (laughs) this weekend. 47 year old Anderson Silva will step into the ring with 25 year old Jake Paul and what critics are calling a fascinating look at the before and after effects of CTE. That's jokes, everybody. Oh, well done, Mr. Andrew Paul. Good stuff. That'll take us in to the depths of our town. That's right, everybody. The local breakdown. It's the It is filled with juicy jazz, squalling trumpets, and tiny little crawdads. You put past in a swamp, and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> local news. Always, you know, it's a real gumbo of misery. <laughs> that's what they say. I think that's a tourism board slogan, that's a gumbo the, of misery. Uh, that's what they'll put in the Monday night football yeah. opening, you know, uh, when they talk about the city. Uh, one of those, you know, animated things is just like all the misery getting thrown into the pot. Yeah. Uh, first story uh, about our fair, our fine mayor. Latoya Cantrell says she's going to pay all of her extra expenses from travel, quote, out of pocket. Uh, But when asked, the mayor's spokesman would not say what method she was going to use to pay it and when she was going to pay it or how she was going to pay it. So basically, uh, they're just lying out of pocket. Um, but not going to say like, she's cutting a check. She's sending a Venmo or, or being like, look, just withhold my salary or, you know what? I'll have to pay back X per check for however many period of years. 
Nothing. It's 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 almost a hundred thousand dollars. She canceled a trip to Argentina recently. I think mm. that was the latest thing she was supposed to go on. Um, you know, the, so there was some trip to Washington D.C. where everybody that she was with was two hundred and twenty-five dollars, and hers was thirty-two hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, the whole thing is absolutely incredible. But credit to her for knowing that no one is going to follow up on any of this stuff. No, not at all. <laughs> be like, if I just say I'm going to pay it back, they can't say anything. Like, they're not going to ask if I paid it back. By the time they realize that I'm not going to pay it back, I will no longer be the mayor. There's no net due date no. floating around anywhere. And they're not going to, like, charge her. And she'll she's going to move the minute she's not the mayor anymore, right? I'm sure she probably already lives in another city. <laughs> oh, no, well, she doesn't have a free apartment in any other city. So she lives in the French Quarter for free. <laughs> What if she starts Airbnb-ing that out, <laughs> and using the <laughs> money to live in, you know, Cleveland? Or does she Airbnb's the Pantalba apartment in order to pay back for $30,000, you know, loan? I'm not against it. Uh, I know. mean, just, you know, show some effort. <laughs> yeah. Show the people you care. Yeah. If you could just give, you know, one thing back, that would be great. Um, speaking of the mayor, it looks like she is cutting the police force budget after the NOPD finished the fiscal year with a $70 million surplus. Yeah. That seems like a lot. Yeah. I think I know where that $100,000 is going to come from. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to hire a, a, a blow-up doll as a cop well, it's gonna take be, his salary and pay it back. There was like a show on A&E for like five minutes where Steven Seagal was like a sheriff. Oh, yeah, it was in Jefferson Parish. Yeah, yeah. this is what she's going to do. Uh-huh. She, as soon as she gets out of office, she's going to be like a fake law enforcement officer. <laughs> she's going to go, I'll take some of that 70 mil. Yeah. And then she'll pay off the citizens. <laughs> Uh, $70 million surplus. That seems like a lot. It feels like that would fix a lot of streets. Yeah, probably. Or maybe stop a crime. I think the solution for fixing our streets has been made. Domino's is going to be running a promotion around the Super Bowl where they come and fix potholes in New Orleans. <sighs> and that's going to be the only thing we get. Yeah. I mean, it is... Uh, it's incredible that they have how many places have the money set aside and literally just cannot with 70 million dollars cannot hire enough people we are uh, pay the cops a million dollars i guarantee you'll get some we are refund we are overfunding the police we are doing the opposite (laughs) of some places we've got too much money every cop has they can have two guns like a john woo movie Seventy million dollars seems like an obscene amount of money. Yeah, like I can't believe the department as a whole has seventy million. Can we give some of it to the Saints? <laughs> Is that what Taysom Hill makes in a year? I think so. Uh, it just how can you not hire somebody, or how are you losing staff if you have that much money to be able to attack the problem with? This I'm just looking at this picture that goes with the article, and it looks like she's singing uh, Whitney Houston karaoke. <laughs> you could get like an everlasting gobstopper in there. <laughs> she's yelling always. Seventy mil, yeah. That's you know, it's bonkers. Could buy a couple of Polk and Kush commercials. <laughs> I know you could be doing it. Uh, I feel like it would make them a lot better. Uh, next story. 
what a segue. Yeah. <laughs> it's all bad. All the news is bad. This one's funnier, though. Not really. Uh, so there's 800 streetlights in the French Quarter, give or take. Yeah. You work there. Mm-hmm. You walk around there. Probably not that much at night. No. <laughs> it's more of a brisk walk. Man. <laughs> they did a survey, finally, for the first time in a while. They're saying uh, over a third of those 800 streetlights do not work. A third. Yeah. So that's like, you know, almost 300 streetlights do not work in the French Quarter, which is, you know, where everyone walks around. At least there's not a giant crime problem (laughs) that would be helped by, you know, light being shined on the actual street. So instead uh, of anyone fixing that, they just continue to lose these streetlights. No one's repairing them. No one's there's tourists just walking around in the dark, like having to put flashlights on. Uh, it's not that big of an area. It's where everybody lives. Like it's where everybody comes to visit. I should mm-hmm. say. It seems like it should be a priority. And if it's not, just get a, some temporary lighting or do something. Uh, but they said it's been going on for a long time. All these lights keep not getting popped out. Nobody replaces them, and so now they're at the point, like a crisis point, where uh, over a third of them are not working inside the quarter. So that seems like the most obvious solution to a problem. Like, there's a lot of complicated problems in the city. That seems like an extremely obvious solution. There, It's not just like, you know, like a light fixture might have like three heads or three bulbs or something, and like one of them's out. It's like whole areas. Yes. Um, whatever cross street is by uh, Jim and I, I think it's Iberville. Uh-huh. Iberville is completely dark from like the Walgreens all the way down to uh, North Peters almost. Yeah. And like I, I've been around there at night, and there are like the big planners over there, and it's just people like doing heroin and using the restroom. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. and I think due largely in part to it is cloaked in darkness. Yeah. You cannot tell what's going on. And if like you can't prepare yourself if there's somebody coming around the corner or anything like that, you know, it's it's dangerous enough in the French Quarter. Yeah. It went in the middle of the day. You know? <laughs> it feels sketchy enough at any particular time that you're there, you know, at noon on the brightest day of the year. It still feels a little sketchy. Uh, but, you know, th- the fact that they just can't th- that is. Uh, ridiculously simple solution. This is an, another problem that could be solved in a week. Yeah. It really could be. And they're like, it's staffing shortages. Like, well, yeah, it's because you're not paying anybody. You got, you got $70, 70 million. million. <laughs> you should be giving uh, the guy picking up litter should be making 25 bucks an hour with full benefits. <laughs> yes. You have $70 million. Spend it. I, 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 I don't understand city budgets, okay? But that seems like it should be a high priority and something that could get fixed almost immediately. If you gave Sidney Torres the lighting contract in the yeah. French Quarter, I promise you all those lights would be on in three weeks. Also, that helps with others. If you have more lights, you can have less policemen. You could go from the 17 you've got now to 15. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, I, I mean, I, I don't understand how that's even possible. So the, the part of the story, they're also saying that the uh, cell phone tower, so AT&T and Verizon, put a bunch of cell phone towers all around for 5G, I guess. And uh, in that, they were supposed to put up lights with the towers, and they just didn't. Okay. And then no one from the city was like, hey, what about the lights you were supposed to put with this? And they were like, eh, supply chain. 
And then they just didn't do anything. They're like, well, why don't you put up temporary lights with it? And they're like, eh, go fuck yourself. They're like, look, the 5G is going to give you COVID and kill you anyway. <laughs> you don't need you any don't need lights. lights. <laughs> you got way bigger problems <laughs> with these br- this cancer we're pushing through your body. I wouldn't be too worried about it. Let's see. A Bourbon Street Shot Girl. These are the headlines I enjoy. Yeah. Anything that starts with a Bourbon Street Shot Girl, because these are... These are like, it's like a lemonade stand for adults. Mm-hmm. These people usually aren't sanctioned by the bars. Yeah. They're just out there with God knows what mm-hmm. in a test tube that mm-hmm. they found on the ground. <laughs> you give them $20, they run away. It's great. Bourbon Street shot girl accused of robbing woman who refused to pay. I've seen this woman. <laughs> I've literally seen this woman. That's awesome. She's my friend. A group of Bourbon Street shot girls allegedly attacked and robbed a woman who refused to pay for their alcohol Friday night. Only one of the three suspects was identified and arrested. The woman, 27-year-old Paris, was booked with simple robbery. She remained jail Saturday on that allegation in an unrelated court attachment. Court records show her bond was set at $3,500. Shot girls getting bond. I don't think murderers have bonds set in New Orleans. <laughs> so they're saying that the shot girl basically went up to a, uh, I think it was a Taurus. It was a woman. And they, you know, as they do, they're like, hey, well, would you drink, 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 drink? And they're like, mm-hmm. ah, well, you can do it. And then, you know, they pour six more shots than the person ever wanted down their throat. And by the time they look up, they're like, oh, yeah, that'll be uh, $40. It's like, well, I I didn't want any. Yeah. And then like I kind of begrudgingly said I would do one and then you threw a whole bunch more and then you get pissed at me for not wanting to pay for it. And that is like been going on forever on Bourbon Street. That goes on even on the licensed shot girls, the ones at the Razoo, whatever. But particularly the unlicensed ones are just walking around on the street. Uh, It is a a pox on the society uh, for sure. The freelance shot girls are really kind of a f- like they they they're outlaws. Yes, they're just getting people. Dr- they're not asking for IDs. No, you don't even renegade. know what you're drinking. You're drinking bleach. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's God like no, no, it's the Jello shot uh, type of stuff. Well, when the woman wouldn't pay, they took her phone and money and ran away. So it seems like a better deal for the shot girls. <laughs> I mean that's more than forty bucks. <laughs> assuming it wasn't assuming it wasn't an Android, I think they yeah. did okay. You're like, what is this? A boost? Come on. <laughs> I don't need I don't need cricket wireless for to payment for my uh This is there are two genders on Bourbon Street. The forcible bead guys and the forcible shot girls. Yes. Those are the two. Yes. My bead guy sees me every day. <laughs> You know, I'm wearing a polo. I like I work at fucking Best Buy and he's still it's like it's Tuesday. Yeah. I'm not I don't need the beat. Everywhere else it's just Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> including in my office. <laughs> uh dude, yeah. That uh, They're not going to do anything about that. I am amazed they actually arrested someone for it. She must have just turned herself in yeah uh because she that's the just that's, walked out of the french corner <laughs> into the darkness and no one would have possibly found her that's the nopd's preferred message <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. The preferred uh, method of capturing criminals is they turn themselves in. Yes. That's so anybody doing crime, if you could just do the city a favor, turn yourself in. Yeah. that's uh, We should put that on some billboards. I think they would appreciate it. Abundance of caution. Turn yourself in. We found ourselves some <laughs> slogans this week. Uh, I think so. On that note, we will take uh, get to my favorite part of every single week, ladies and gentlemen. The worst. Oh, this is the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumb. The worst. Thanks for sending them in, polkandkush at gmail.com. This is the worst thing I saw or read this week. In the late 1990s, when Florida bikers were still required to wear helmets, uh, lawyer Ron Smith was an aggressive advocate for overturning the law. He was a member of the Brotherhood Against Totalitarian Enactments and American Bikers Aimed Towards Education, which lobbied against helmet laws for years. He represented clients who ran afoul of Florida's motorcycle requirements in court cases that some say helped overturn Florida's helmet laws. In August, Smith and his girlfriend were riding a motorcycle on US-19 in Pinellas County. They were headed to a memorial service for another biker who had died of cancer. Smith crashed the bike as he tried to slow for traffic ahead of him. Both he and the passenger were killed. Unfortunate. Neither were wearing a helmet. Not surprising. What do we make of that? I th- what do they call it? The uh, Darwin's Law? I was going to say, that's the, the Darwin Award. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're going to advocate for not wearing a helmet, <laughs> you better die. From not wearing a helmet. You made the ultimate sacrifice for the cause. I think so. That <laughs> He the, made the exact opposite sacrifice. Sure. It's but it if he's doing an ironic thing, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a old Seinfeld bit of the uh the fact that we have a helmet law really says that we've got problems because we should probably just stop our head cracking practices, you know, like if you, we should just not have the motorcycles, but uh, instead we have laws to put helmets on Smith. The man who died didn't like being told what to do <laughs> and valued his independence. Uh, he thought everyone should have their own choice and they do. And they do. They do. However, I mean, that is uh, truly, uh, I'm trying to think of, of a, Comp, a comparable scenario to that, and I can't come up with one. Maybe the Segway guy flying off a cliff in a Segway? If Steve Scalise had died. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> By pushing for gun rights forever and then getting shot on a baseball field. Yeah, I mean, this guy, uh, that is a, a cruel twist of irony for sure. This says that uh, from 2020 to 2021, there has been a 9% increase in motorcyclist deaths nationwide. I'm not surprised. People drive like absolute goddamn maniacs now. Yeah. And maybe I don't remember it pre-COVID, you know, but it is insane. The, the, The amount of people who don't come close to staying in the lanes, people who are driving without lights, people who are driving. I mean, it is. it feels like... Mad Max every time you get on the highway now. Yeah, I got I got pulled over by a cop the other day, and he's like, I pulled you over for suspicious driving. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you have a license plate. 
You are very clearly trying to get away with something, mister. You printed this license plate yourself? Um, yeah, man, it is, uh, it's a rough scene out there. I, uh, I, I'm supposed to be driving a very long distance in the next few days. I am hopefully, uh, once I get out of, uh, you know, the new greater New Orleans area, it'll get a little bit better. But obviously, didn't work out too well for, uh, Mr. Live Free or Die Hard because <laughs> he picked the latter. Uh, Thank you all so very much for joining us this week on Polk and Kush. We do love bringing you this show. Please support our friends at DraftKings, Draft uh, promo code Polk and Kush. And, of course, get your 30% off at Crescent Canna if you want some Canna. Uh, that promo code is Kush. All right. Thank you all so very much. We will be back next week with more talk of everything sports and news in New Orleans. We love you. Talk to you soon. See ya.